welcome to Bushwhacking, where we bushwhack. I'm Jack. I'm Fish. I'm Christopher. Hey, and Chris. <laughs> welcome to... Hello, boys. Oh, it's good to have you on. Christopher is my brother, and today we have a very awesome episode talking about the Wild West. We're talking about how would we fare in the Wild West. But before we get into that, we want to thank all of you for liking and subscribing wherever you may be. We're up to 18 audience members now. Hey! <laughs> Courte- courteous to Zoom for or uh, Anchor for uh, showing us those numbers. But it, it, it's kind of cool to see it grow. Yeah. And I feel like these guest episodes are actually pretty fun. Yeah. So today we have our guest bushwhacker is uh, Chris. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Chris. Christopher. Um, I am Josh's brother. Live in Evanston, Wyoming. Happily married and uh, very excited about this podcast. Mm, yes. Been thinking about it. Thinking about it for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Notes. I, I studied, I did it all. I'm ready. And why Why is the Wild West so interesting to you? If you could sum it up a little briefly. I think the most interesting part for me is separating fact and fiction. Oh, yeah? Because that's, I mean, the West is just a big romantic place, and there's a lot of blurry lines that we get to know 100%. Yeah. So it's kind of fun to think if it's, did this really happen? Maybe not. But if it did, pretty cool. And we're going to get into that because there are a few things in my notes that are like, okay, okay, this is kind of along the Wild West line. I can see why the romance is there, but there are some things there's like, yeah, it wait, it wasn't not all, romantic at all. <laughs> it wasn't all, <laughs> it wasn't all hookers and whiskey, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, and I, I guess I'll play the the role of the vi- village idiot, the village drunk, because uh, I. I only know really the romantic version. Oh yeah, of the wild <laughs> of the wild west. So you'll have to. That's exactly uh, what we want. Got to start somewhere. You'll have to disillusion me. All right. So today's bushwhack. How do we fare in the wild west? And with that said, let's get into the bushwhack. Oh wow, that that timed perfectly. <laughs> How's your hand? Very good. Ow, yeah, I hurt. <laughs> We, uh, for this special episode, we got some genuine Hanks gourmet root beer, Philadelphia recipe. There you go. And Chris, what you got? Uh, Zoa energy drink. Zoa, by Dwayne Johnson. Oh my goodness, is it any good? No. But... <laughs> <laughs> I tried a plant-based energy drink a couple of weeks ago. It tasted exactly what you would think about, like dandelions and. <laughs> Snake oil all put together with some food coloring. Salad, the drink. (laughs) Energy. All right. So the question on the table, how do we fare in the Wild West? And there's a couple of ways you can go with that question. And so my first question to both you, uh, Fish, and you, Chris, is going to be this. If it would load. (laughs) All right. So... We talk about the romance of the Wild West, you know, ooh, the cowboys and the gamblers and the mountain men. But if you were given the choice of an occupation in the Wild West, what would you be, Fish? Yeah. Um, so my my occupation now is in material science and engineering, which is an offshoot of metallurgy, which is an offshoot of blacksmithing. 
So I, I, <laughs> I never would have made that connection. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I know today I know the theory of how to combine iron and carbon to get steel and different grades of steel. And so wow. I, I think I, I, I have no practical knowledge of blacksmithing. I, I don't know how to, you know, I think a lot of that is you, you, look for the right color of the the glow of the iron and you look for the nice sound as it hits the the hammer hits the steel and i have no no no, no knowledge of that <laughs> but i i would either be that or uh, a prospector because i i really enjoy like rock hounding mm-hmm. um and i think that would be fun to go in the mine and spend a day by myself and the <laughs> look look for some gold gold <laughs> that's some tasty gold <laughs> cool that's kind of cool you'd be almost exactly what you are now just a far more humble and simple version <laughs> yeah yeah a, a more uh primitive i could version just, i suppose i could just see this blacksmith just in this tiny old town hammering and looking at all the townspeople saying one day they'll see <laughs> they'll see <laughs> all right chris how about you? What occupation would you be? Well, I mean, if we really want to get real about <laughs> the West, okay, let's take the romance out of it, okay? There weren't a lot of gunfighters. Cowboys had very, very hard lives, made a dollar a day in seasonal work in some of the worst weather conditions you can imagine. So if I really think about the times, what was happening, the railroads were being built and the mines Right, Jamie? Or fish? The mines. Miners. Yeah. So you have a couple of choices that are practical and likely, and then you have your romantic choices. Deep down, the Pony Express sounds amazing to me. (laughs) Running the mail from post to post, where the hiring posters mention that they prefer orphans because of how dangerous the job is, and they don't want to notify your next of kin if you are, you know, a bunch of hostile American Indians. Goodness. But it didn't last. Pony Express didn't last. I think it was around for a year and they went bankrupt. Really? Just a year? So, yeah. So if you really think about the West, one of the things that comes to mind for me is job security because <laughs> there's like <laughs> none. There's none. Right? Yeah. The mind, the mind collapses. Oh, well, you know, oops. Um, the railroad, you get hurt in something, you know, oh, well. Oops. So if I'm being if I'm being realistic, it would probably be very similar to what I do now, selling goods to people who need them. Oh, right? Sweet. A salesman. Yeah. But but not a snake oil guy, you know, not a tonic miracle tonic guy. Here's yeah. what you else know, coffee. <laughs> yeah. We'll cure baldness, whatever. Shoot the wings off a fly at three hundred yards. <laughs> right. Dang. Coffee, sugar, tobacco, whiskey. So I'd like- probably just be that guy. Like the general store manager. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that makes sense to me because my brain can't comprehend the physical, the brutal work that came with almost every other job in the West. Right. It's just the fear. Of his, I mean, Jamie's forearms would be, you know, this big around <laughs> if he was indeed yeah. a blacksmith. You because everything in the West, right, it has such a toll, a physical toll. You don't go to the store to buy a cord of wood. You chop that. You right. got to get that coal. You got to get that water. So there is such a, a physical toll on anything you want to do. 
I don't think any of us realistically can say, oh, yeah, I could probably do that because we have no idea, you know? Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those things where you, if you think about, like, Back to the Future 3 and if you think about Silverado and all those movies that we grew up loving, those are, like, our only real glimpses into the Wild West, I feel, unless you had, like, a really, really long, old grandpa that lived in the 18th in this 19th century, which is doubtful. You get yeah, you do get those ideas of like, man, that would be so fun to be there, and then you realize, well, the life expectancy was like maybe forty or something, and thirty nine cholera, thirty nine, thirty nine. My goodness, that's I got what I got a, only a few more years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, your midlife crisis. <laughs> oh, Chris, too soon. I know, three years left. Dang. And that, that's like one of the crazy things because there is kind of this thing like now we have so much security everywhere. Job security, healthcare, like not even just like if, even if you don't have health insurance, you know, cholera, the yellow fever, tons of diseases that were far more deadly than any of the recent ones are just gone. Like tuberculosis. Yeah. You know that shot you always get where they get, they get the little bump under your arm and as long as it disappears within a few hours, you're fine. That, like, killed hundreds and thousands of people <laughs> during that time. Smallpox. Oh, gosh. So, all right, here's another question. Wait, wait, wait. What about you, sir? Uh, mm-hmm. What would your occupation be? You know, I think I am a little bit of a hopeless romantic because I think I'd go trapper. I'd either go trapper or try to, I don't know, honest my way to being a cattle baron or... <laughs> what is it? Interestingly... A lot of the cattle barons got rich off of rustling other cattle. Oh, that makes me hurt. <laughs> That's the American way, boys. <laughs> until oh until barbed wire showed up, until barbed wire showed up, those cows just roamed. And so, if it was on your land, quote unquote, those were now your cattle. So when did what was branding for, or is that also uh... that came later? Really? And they made special brands to alter other brands. They made a brand specific to another brand so they could knock off that brand with their brand. Oh, like double brand it? Yep. Mm-hmm. Those poor cows. Oh, <laughs> uh, wait. Nope. That don't look right. Turn a little bit more to the left. Did you go branding <laughs> with me? Oh, no. I, re- I remember that. Me and, me and Fish uh, had a, a Boy Scout activity that I missed where he went and branded cows. Yeah. <laughs> we, oh, we branded that something like 300 like head. Oh my gosh. Oh my word. That's awesome. Okay. So, Chris, you mentioned before um, that cowboys earn like a dollar a day. What would that equate to yeah. today? $22.62. That's like a dollar an hour. Actually, that's like, let's see here, 22 divided by 8. That's like under $3. Wow. So, is that why? And they, Did they get like housing? Yeah, then, Did they get any no. benefits? They didn't own any of the stuff they had. Their horses were usually the, 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 the rancher that owned the cows, you know, and they had a chuck wagon that would follow them up the, up the Chisholm Trail or the Goodnight Lovin' Trail or wherever, and they could buy goods off of that chuck wagon. It was usually room and board at a dollar a day, but they slept in the open under the stars, not under a tent like we would think um, because tents were expensive, but they had a really rough life. They didn't carry guns because a lot of the ranchers said, no, no, no guns. You cannot carry a gun. So they forbid them from carrying guns. I mean, there's a lot of things as cowboys that... I just imagine walking into a camp 
after a hot summer day and just getting hit in the face with the smell of 14 cowboys <laughs> who've been out all day working their guts out, right? Mm-hmm. It's a different time. We're very lucky. I don't know if I could handle the, the smell. So, so I get the sense um, that a lot of people wanted to go west uh, to get away from, like, the landlords and, you know, the the barons that were, uh, like, the ruling class or whatever. Yeah, they, uh, were, right. they were either fleeing, well, tons of things, but either they're... So, let me, let me pose a question. What would bring you to the West? Jamie? Gold. Fish, sorry. Gold. Silver. Goldfish. Right? <laughs> Fish. Gold. Goldfish. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Josh, it, you know, it's just it's what what brings you here? Was it religion? Well, we got the Mormons. Yeah, forty three thousand Mormons. Oh, I got stories that, but those those stories we'll, we'll get to later. That's where like the romance comes out, which well, <laughs> it, it'll be interesting when we get there. But yeah, and I think I think it's interesting because a lot of people have that fantasy of like I wish I could just go back out west, you know, go back in time so that I could go out west because. People were either running towards fortune or running away from something. But what what have you found, Chris? Was there manifest destiny? Okay, right. Oh, so in, I um, see. It was our eighteen eighteen sixty two. So a little bit sixty two. Yeah, manifest destiny, which is this land is set aside for us white colonial de- democratic capitalist religious people. And Abraham Lincoln signs the Homestead Act that gives everyone 160 acres if they can improve on that land for five years for a small fee. Okay, so now the song 160 acres makes a whole lot more sense. Yeah, because kind of a you go out there, that. find your spot. Let's let's not forget here that almost everywhere is Indian territory, right? Everywhere. It's just the way it is. But we are trespassing. And we, there were consequences for trespassing American Indian land, but it was worth the risk to some people for 160 acres. Yeah, it sort of en- encapsulates the American dream, right? You you can go out and get this land and you work for it and you can make a living. You can you can succeed. But, <laughs> but yeah. there's a catch that kind of feels like we understand more today than they did back then. And that's always like the drawback of you know uh was was a saying hindsight has twenty twenty vision yeah and it mm-hmm. kind of improves over two hundred years because <laughs> we can see the effects of it, but back then it probably was like, oh duh, west, go west, my boy, <laughs> yeah, man, but so the... it's interesting too because because this all happened a year after the Civil War started, so you have. A, a West that's slowly filling up. The Civil War starts. The West empties, taking everybody back to the Civil War in the South. And then Manifest Destiny pushes everybody back. Mm-hmm. And in the end of the Civil War, the floodgates were opened. It was just everybody heading West. So it, it, uh, with Manifest Destiny, uh, what what part of that lingers today? Is there a part of Manifest Destiny that we see in today's society? Well, I think that Americans are very, you know, independent-minded. This is my land, this is my stuff. A very individualistic, and it goes way back. And this is exactly where it all started, some say. 
manifest destiny because we like we like ownership and we like our independence. So this was the real opportunity to get out of the crowded little, you know, independence Missouri and go and just claim whatever and start your life. Whether if you fought for the wrong side, I wouldn't want to hang out in the South anymore during Reconstruction. I'd be heading west as fast as I could. Right. So. Go all Doc Holiday on there. <laughs> but I think, so uh, we had Caleb on a few weeks ago, and one thing he said was a bushwhack has to stink. And I think those facts definitely sting if you have such a romantic view and almost optimistic view of the Wild West. You know, you look back, you're like, man, those times would have been great. And then you realize those facts. But again, we haven't even we haven't got to the, the gritty horribleness yet. Uh, we just talked. We just skimmed over like <laughs> the philosophy of it. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, then you got like, you know, forget about just the West itself, but the time, you know, from. OK, Chris, what what is what uh, time span is defined as the Wild West? Um, Cause, 1860, 1860, about 1895. So about 35 years. This was a, this wasn't a, this wasn't a, a, you know, a forest fire. This was a, a grass fire. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was just a, just a flash, just gone. Right. It was crazy. And then it was not. Jeez. But I guess another question I can ask you guys is why is it called the wild west? Well, from what I understand, there's like the very localized law, but not like a, over-encompassing law, even like the state laws didn't really apply like they could have, but you know, today my jurisdiction ends here. And that's kind of how a lot of people said it. And information itself was very hard to trans, like to send, but that's my viewpoint of why it was called the Wild West, was because it was like there's not a whole lot of law out there. Not a whole lot of encompassing right. jurisdiction. You're right. Fish, what do you think? Yeah, I was thinking it's like um, sort of contrasting the civilized East, Ooh, right? Yeah. You have this Great civilized point. East and then the Wild West, and they're, right. they're sort of two opposing sides. Totally. So what ended the Wild West, believe it or not, was borders, boundaries, barbed wire. You couldn't go just wherever you wanted to go anymore because all those boundaries you had tried to just escape from you know, north versus south, city limits, state limits, county county limits or whatever, weren't around then. There were territories, but they were just so big, you just kind of do whatever to do. But then people started taking you know, this land here, this land there, and then the Wild West, wild anymore. The game disappeared, you know, the land disappeared, pristine forests and prairies and grasslands disappeared. So, you know, wilderness... Not so much anymore. It, it all ended, ended very quickly. So is it totally gone? Or are, are there some remnants, a, a, a ghost town of the Wild West still still around? The only, thing that, the only thing that comes to mind is BLM land. And the reason why is because there's absolutely none out here in North Carolina. Which means, uh, like, if you're a backpacker or guy who likes to go literally bushwhack and go camping, you can't do that here. In fact, most places here are forests surrounded by city. Whereas you go out west, especially in Utah, there are tons of places where it's just like just vast openness of land nobody wants. And guess what? 
you can go out there and you can pitch a tent and you can be there. And you don't have to pay anything either. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so that's the only thing that comes to mind though. But if you want to stay out there forever, no, 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 no. They'll, they'll find you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Nowhere to hide out here. Yeah. Because if I think that's another thing that a lot of people, that's a reason why people romanticize the wild west is like, if only I could just find my claim, you know, and homestead myself, you know, and then 160 acres adds up and it's gone. And so, but that, that's the only thing I can think of that remains of the quote unquote wild west. Well, I mean, think about what we, what we see and what we do. Movies are still coming out. I think we're still holding on to that idea that this is kind of, this is like America, right? The wild west. It's like the cowboy. That's what people think of when they think of America, right? Mm -hmm. I think we hold on to that a little too tightly, but, um, it's definitely still alive in our imaginations and in books and movies. And, you know, some towns still hold really tightly onto that. For example, in Wyoming, it's one of the least populated states in the country. There's nobody here. So some people, you know, they do the same thing that, that they've always done. Generations and generations of ranchers who raise cattle and, and sheep and, you know, things have gotten a lot easier. But I think that idea, that, that, that seed is still very much alive for a lot of people. Yeah. So, let's see here. So, back in that time, um, what would you say was probably the most prosperous area to be? Because we hear about, like, the California gold rush. Um, right. And, you know, I think Las Vegas was definitely much further after. I can't speak today. <laughs> it was much after the Wild West era, right? And I think uh, a plug for Salt Lake City, I, that was, mm -hmm. I, as I understand it, it was sort of a hub of... Uh, culture even where people were going to the California gold rush and so they had to cross through Salt Lake and so it was the Oregon just, Trail yeah yeah the Oregon Trail I know Salt Lake at one point was quite the uh well I don't know if it was Salt Lake specifically but there was one point where they buried the temple and then the army brought all their soldiers and with them the bars and the brothels and the saloons and Utah was like literally the picturesque wild west for a time until the army finally left and they were able to rebuild the temple. Um, hmm. But because I guess it depends on what you were into, right? I guess so. <laughs> What's right? That? Are you into silver? Are you into gold? Are you into cattle? Or are you on the railroads? Because that's where all the towns were. Towns didn't necessarily pop up where things were good. They popped up where things were. Right. So be before the railroads really spread their tendrils down into the, the States, Versus just east and west, right? The promontory point, transcontinental railroad. You don't have a lot of options. That's why the cattle drive was invented to drive these cows to a rail yard because there wasn't one here yet. That changed later, but the boom town is where that that all happened. Tombstone, um, <laughs> Dodge City. Um, I mean, there's Amarillo, Abilene, Santa Fe, um, Deadwood. I yeah, mean, these are all boom towns. And some of them made it, and some of them didn't. But as far as prosperous goes, I think that that the 98th meridian on the, U the United States slowly just went like this from east to west with people. So they came, whether it was prosperous or not. But some of those towns made it, and just some of those towns didn't. The railroad didn't go to your town. That's it. Dang. They closed up. I think it's interesting that you say that because I, I remember like the old um, ghost towns in Utah. That was one that that's something I do miss 
just kind of the like the remnants of maybe they weren't like you know old shacks of the wild west like there are some modernist modernesque homes but they're empty eureka mm. um oh, let's yeah. see here mm-hmm. el alberta not alberta alberta <laughs> and it's not a ghost town yet but it kind of has that that sense of ely nevada where i've been to a few times it's a mining town that everybody there works in the mine and it's still up and kicking and there's you know there's fishing and there's bars and there's casinos and it's got everything <laughs> but um yeah you go down to that central southern utah you see some of those ghost towns and it is kind of eerie because you're just like how many how did that happen where people just up and left because right whatever they're looking for dried up sometimes literally yeah, yeah. oh man so what for you, Chris, what do you think, if you could boil it down or just pick one fact of the Wild West, when you got into reading more about the Wild West, what fact surprised you the most? Oh, my word. Or is a, tough a surprising question. fact? Um, fact. Man, <laughs> there's a bazillion things that are just going through my brain right now. Um, if I had to pin it down to a fact, I would just, I would just... You know, just the, the the huge, huge expanse. I mean, we're used to, you know, hopping in a car, drive for a couple hours. The, the, the size of the West was huge, huge, empty. I mean, there were um, Spanish living there from the um, Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo. There were Spanish living there when we when the Mexican when Mexico seceded that and, and, and Texas and all that. So it wasn't like there weren't people here. There were people. But they weren't the same people we were used to seeing. Mm-hmm. And Josh mentioned it earlier, you know, um, a circuit judge just comes around now and then because it's just such a huge territory. And so I've read a lot of people actually would would go crazy from the isolation because of how huge this area is. And they are all by themselves. Dang. Yeah, that's totally. So that's that's what's the success to me. It's just the size. Sorry to cut you off, guys. No, yeah, that that's totally that's interesting because um, I I have this picture of the the West and it, how it is sort of like this the most American thing, right? And it, it's all collaborative, and we're working together to to win this wilderness. Um, but if you're by yourself, you can't work together with anybody. Mm-hmm. That's so that's no. very interesting. That I'm I don't pose to you guys a question. Yeah, though. go ahead. So I want you to just let's just discuss. The quality of life, okay? The everyday life of just an average person in the West and what they're up against. Because that is really what we'd be dealing with, say, if we were just to be there or if we are there. Right. So this is, this is interesting because recently, actually for the past few years, I've actually really gone into my family history uh, because my ancestors came out West in the pie. They were Mormon pioneers from Scotland, and their wow. their lives were not all sunshine and roses, but there are some stories that are recorded multiple times, so there are multiple accounts of these same stories that were like, okay, that's straight out of a Western. <laughs> that is Louis L'Amour, like, right there. Yeah. Um, but, so, um, Alan Miller came from Beeth, Scotland, not Beef. Beef, <laughs> th, <laughs> and he came with his family, and they were on a ship, the John, 
the John H. Wood or the John, John M. Wood, but it came up through Louisiana. Then they got onto a boat and steamed up the Mississippi until they got to Jackson County, Missouri. There, Alan Miller Sr. died of cholera, and he was 30, I believe. That's young. 30. Wow. 30. And then that left all of his kids to go with his widow out west walking. And so I was like, okay. <laughs> Imagine that being six years old and being told, all right, kid, mm. home's that way. How far? In miles or days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, But they did it. That's Amazing. a crazy thing. They did it. And besides their father who died of cholera, nobody died on the trail. And so... Wow. It's quite interesting. <laughs> that, that's so that's so crazy because I you know I I went on a a backpacking trip right for like two weeks and I packed all my food um, and it was a huge pack you know of of food and we, it lasted two weeks right I can't imagine a six year old oh uh, and like a a young mother packing a, a month's worth of food. So they they had to find stuff along the way, and 100%. some of them, yeah, some of them assumed that they would, and then they were met with a harsh reality of like, well, great, now we have to take our month's supply and make it last for two months. So, mm-hmm. and yeah, there's quality of life for you where you know we complain of like, ah, beef stew again. <laughs> <laughs> That's the fourth time this week. <laughs> well, yeah, what what do you even eat? I, I was thinking about this, like. We go to the store oh, and you get bananas for 57 cents a pound, right? But they would never even see a banana. Right. So so is it just, you know, bread and yeah. buffalo mm-hmm. meat for every meal? If they could find yeah. buffalo. Beans. If- a lot of beans. A lot of bread, biscuits, stuff like that. Um, you know, you're lucky for bacon. Bacon was one of those things. But it was, I have a, I have an old menu that a chuck wagon used to have when he always drives the cattle and it is not, I mean, vinegar pie was one of them. Oh, <laughs> yeah. How, how does that work? So I don't know, but well, I can read it to you sometime, but mm. man, what's in I mean, this? and if you think about, if you think about freshness of food, you know, there's not a lot of crop growing right now. There's a little bit, but it's usually only for your families, right? Until mm-hmm. the trains show up and start bringing all that stuff in. You have you get to eat what you can grow or what you can kill, right? Because there's not a there's not a ton of options yet. It's still pretty early. As things go and the railroads start to you know progress, you have a lot more options. But in the beginning, I mean, it, it, and let's all let's not forget the bison herd is just collapsing right now because of the uh, the the buffalo hunters and, and an attempt to exterminate the American Indians because that was their food source. So buffalo and bison are getting harder and harder to find along with other games. So, and Josh touched on it earlier, but interesting, interesting thing about the Oregon trail. Let's go back to the Oregon trail in um, 1846. Okay. So someone would get cholera and die. Usually you bury someone who's dead. The thing is they would almost always bury their dead by a water source. So the next wagon train comes along and wants a nice cool glass of water. That water's contaminated then they die but they move on so cholera didn't it wasn't it just kept moving with the wagon train five percent of everybody that crossed the plains died wow that's i'm 
I'm glad that you said that. Not that, you know, I'm glad that you said people die of cholera, but because I was looking it up and I was like, isn't cholera like something you get from contaminated food or water or food or water? It's like, how could it spread? Because in the record, it said Alan uh, was hit by cholera because it spread through the camp. It's like, what was it? Like somebody like splashing them with water? It's like, no, it was there, but everybody was drinking it. But that's crazy because today... It's extremely rare. According to Google, cholera is extremely rare and treatable. And you think about how, like, you know, I bet if somebody got cholera today, it'd be like, dude, how'd you do that? And, you know, go to the doctor, get better. Yeah. Back then, it's like, oh, you got got cholera. It's like, oh, crap. Well, right right my will. Yeah. Wow. And, And then you've got, you know, there's no indoor plumbing in town. Right, and that was a big thing that got rid of cholera. Right, so there's outhouses everywhere, there's sewage everywhere, you know, and it's just, it's just, it's gonna happen. That's the nature of it all. And disease is just rampant in the West. Mm-hmm. Let's not mention, okay, after the cattle drive, the cowboys would come into town, go to the cat house, and visit <laughs> a lady of the night. You know, syphilis and gonorrhea, very easily treated now. Then, not so the much. clock starts ticking, right? Yeah. There's no antibiotics. And um, the doctors out there, there's so few, and there's even fewer good doctors. And doc- the doctors back then, their main way of treating an infection was amputation. Oh, my gosh. With, with, with Civil War surplus medical equipment because they just didn't have the knowledge. And we, we think about how cool it would be to be in a shootout, okay? We get shot in the shoulder. I can't Google how to set a broken collarbone. Ugh. I can't Google how to, you know, recover from a rattlesnake bite. I can't Google smallpox symptoms. You can't even go to the library. <laughs> I know, right? You're, you're, you have, you have so little options out there. And, and I just think that people who say that, they are looking at one side only, the romantic side. Nothing bad will happen to me, right? Right. Everybody's dying. Everybody's sick. Everybody's got something. Right. So the quality of life now, I mean, we are so unbelievably lucky. If we think about then, I mean, it's just one small nick from a nail, a rusty nail or something like that. Yeah, you can That's get it. And because, guys, this is going to blow your mind. When you think about the West, you don't really think about addiction. Whiskey, sure. Alcoholics, of course. Drunks, totally. But morphine and laudanum were so addictive. There were countless addicts walking around addicted to painkillers in the Wild West because that's the only thing they could do to treat the pain. Dang, I a slug of whiskey of and some uh, a little bit of opium. Those are your options to feel better. So there's addicts everywhere, and doctors get more and more you know weary of prescribing this stuff because of all the addicts it creates. Because there's no other option. Are there like? Is it pretty dangerous being a doctor then? Like maybe you get waylaid by addicts. I'm I'm sure. I, I, I can't imagine being a doctor in this. That would be a nightmare. I won't tell you how they used to treat syphilis and gonorrhea because it is way too graphic for this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we keep it PG here. Yeah, it maybe is, 13 some it, days. <laughs> it's astonishing how little we they thought they knew then versus what we know now. You can't blame them. I mean, you're right. You can't just go to the library. You know, what was that guy? That guy had something bad, you know. Come through a book and, and find out. So, so do you? Would these doctors do these procedures like an amputation 
because they didn't know any better or because they didn't have the resources to do better? Probably both. Probably both. And dentists, you did not need a license to practice dentistry. (laughs) (laughs) Interestingly, Jamie, or Fish, this is really interesting for Fish. A lot of blacksmiths would pull teeth. Hey. Because they had the instruments to do so. I got some pliers right here. (laughs) Yeah. Because dentists, dentists' solution to everything was extraction. Yeah. Yeah, toothache. Okay. Yank. <laughs> I could just so, see some, some greedy dentist like oh, it looks like you got some gold teeth there. Yep, not anymore. <laughs> Running out. <laughs> it's infected. Right. Because I don't know about your guys' pain tolerance, but it sounds like the West was just a very uncomfortable place to be. So why aren't I happier now? What? <laughs> <laughs> like like our quality of life is so great these days. Well, that was one thing I was going to ask Chris, too. And it's like, well, why? even with all that knowledge, there's still a part of me that's like, yeah, but I, I, feel like, I feel like I'd brave it. Not because I don't feel like it could happen to me, but maybe because it could happen to me. It's not like I have a death wish. But you know what I mean? Like, we're kind of in this time where I don't want to complain. I don't want to – because my, gra- my great-great-great-grandfather would probably be rolling in his grave if he's like – First off, you went back out east. <laughs> I went away from the east. And second, now you're complaining about not having cholera. <laughs> but there is kind of a thing where it's like, yeah, but wouldn't I want... reward. Yeah. And I don't Risk know reward. if people were thinking that back then. Maybe, you know. Well, you can't, you know, how do you compare something that you've never experienced? We can't, we cannot pretend to know. Exactly. Yeah. What that was like. And so... Usually we overestimate our capabilities as <laughs> men. <laughs> right. Well, here's here's something so, here's some interesting stuff. We talked we talked about how the West is just not as it's not as Silverado and Tombstone as it gets. Minus the killing, maybe, and the the syphilis. But <laughs> listen to this. So my let's see here, he was my great great grandfather, I believe. Alan Miller, when he came out west, he helped settle with his family Parowan, Paragona, and Panguitch, Utah. So he helped wow. that area, right? And he was wow. everything. Here's another thing that was interesting that I don't know if you saw. Like, did people have multiple occupations? Because oh, I'm sure. he was like, well, he, he came out for religious reasons. He came out to settle the west because it was commanded of him. And... So with that, he had occupations like Bishop, like a, se- a 70, and he was also in the court system, but he was also a rancher. Get this. There are two different stories that came out where he was out, um, and this is when he was a little bit younger, and he had, a, he had a gun on his side, and he was riding his horse, trying to get some cattle um, situated with his brothers, and then all of a sudden, they were raided by Indians. I can't remember wow. what tribe. I don't think it was the Navajo but if it was, they later settled because uh, he actually apparently ha- was on good terms with Indians later in his life. But at this time, it was written by himself and by one of his brothers that his life was spared or at least great bodily harm because there was a shootout and he was shot on his revolver two times and it prevented the bullet wow. from going into his leg. Oh my gosh. Talk about a big iron. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I look at that story. I'm like, okay, that that's 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 
what would be in a Western movie right there is some guy being saved because and hit his revolver instead of his, wow. you know, because you think about that revolver laying right there. What's underneath? Some big old veins. Yeah. <laughs> Good old arteries. Um, but yeah, but then there's some other stories where he actually had an open door policy with the Navajo. They could come in to his house and get whatever they wanted. Not because they were raiding or because they were like, we don't want no trouble, but because he's like, yeah, come on in. I, we have more That's than Western, Western hospitality. Yeah, <laughs> you you would help out anyone who needed help because you never know when you're going to be the one needing it. And, and that was very common. Yeah, and that was really cool to see. But it's interesting because you see two stories of that. You see one, you know, two stories of the same man helping Indians at one point of his life, and the other, he was obviously fighting Indians, even though he didn't draw his gun in that scenario. It's wow. just crazy. And so, you know, we look at that and it's like, dang, how could they have done that to people that was already living there? It's like, well, yeah, that's probably true in hindsight. But what would you do if somebody was shooting at you? Probably would defend yourself. Yeah, try to shoot back. (laughs) Um, But then there's another story that this one's really cool and is also verified by none other than Wikipedia. What? (laughs) Do you know who John C. Fremont is? I do. So, John... Calvin Lazelle Smith. He was also one of my great-great-grandfathers living in the same area. He actually um, knew Alan by this time. It was February 8th, 18, I want to say 1853 or 1854. And he was in his cabin just about to go to bed when all of a sudden he hears a cry outside. Hey, he looks at his wife. He's like, it's probably a coyote or, or you know, maybe, maybe Indians, but let's leave it alone. A few minutes later, it's closer. So he gets his neighbor's. He finds John C. Fremont with his uh, group, expeditionary group, and take him into his house because they are on the verge of death in winter. And I was like, I was like, okay, that's very like Wild West, you know, like we saved a famous explorer. And I'm like, come on, man, really? Yeah, it happened. It doesn't say uh, John Calvin Lazell on uh, on Wikipedia, but it says John Calvin Liz- or it says. Fremont was on his expeditionary with his men on February 8th in the Parowan area in the winter. And they were stuck, so the Mormon settlers there helped him out. It's like, holy crap! <laughs> so, uh, wow. for the, the village idiots out there like me, who is Fremont? So, from what I understood, he was a governor of California, or military governor of California, but he was... Chris? No. He was a topographical engineer for the army, and um, he came out with none other than his guide was Kit Carson. Oh, the, Kit Carson, the man, like the man, right? Um, he would—he basically charted the Southwest on through down to California. Later became the governor, um, but that was a huge. I mean, that was the Mexican American War. That was just messy. He had a big argument with the naval commander who was in the port of San Diego, I think it was, over who had more authority. Huge mess. But John C. <laughs> Fremont was one of probably the most significant explorers um, of this of the western area. Lewis and Clark went northwest, right? Mm-hmm. The Oregon Trail kind of went through the middle, and then John Fremont kind of did the southwest on down to Southern California. So he and Kit Carson were the ones who really figured out all this and that's where all the action really happened in Arizona, New Mexico, Wyoming, that area. So he was a big deal. 
probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest, um, explorers. He did. I think he did five or six expeditions. Yeah, I think I think so it was, he was about, a big deal. I think that was his fifth expedition uh, mm-hmm. when he yeah. got stuck in Utah. But that's crazy. And so when I hear stories like that, especially in my own family history, there is a bit of skepticism because one, it's like, okay, but you know, back then people, maybe not back then, but stories written in the past that weren't peer reviewed also talked about mermaids and, <laughs> you know, very non-fiction or fictitious things that never happened. But then if you do a little bit of digging, like I did, I was like, okay, but this actually happened. That's crazy. And that's amazing. So, and you know, you talk about what are, what are some other Western fables? Uh, Dead Man's Hand. Um, let's Not see a fable. Here. Right? Not a fable. And the fact that, um, oh, don't, come on, Tombstone. Wide okay, Earp. Corral. Wide Earp and Okay Corral. How Wide Earp was never grazed by a bullet. And. It's okay, let's talk about, let's talk about that for a second. <laughs> so, fish, fish, what, you, you see the West, do you see. The cowboy or the gunfighter, or are they the same? Yeah, I, I see the the lawman. Maybe not necessarily yeah. the, the the cowboy, but you know the white hat coming into yeah. town, lawman. I'm your huckleberry, right? <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I mean, gunfights were common, but the duel. Um, I can only think of one instance where that really happened, and that was Wild Bill Hickok and um, Davis Tut. 75 yards, there was a gambling dispute. Um, Tut said that, you know, Bill owed him money, and he said no. And then so Tut took Hickok's watch as payment. And Hickok said, I better not see you wearing that watch. Days go by. Hickok's out in the town square. He sees Tut across the way wearing his watch. And he says, don't come any closer wearing that watch. Tut looks at Hickok. They both draw their guns. Hickok puts his on his forearm like this. Shoots him through the heart at 75 yards. Holy cow. And this is true. That's the only... That's, that's a true story. That is a true story. But that's the that's only That's one of duels? the only duel that is really... I mean, some some presidents had duels, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, Aaron Burr. But it, the Wild uh, West... Yeah. Hamilton. The Wild West duel wasn't as sensationalized as we make it. The shootout at the OK Corral was about 30 seconds long. And Wyatt Earp walked away without a scratch. And he had several shootouts walked away without a scratch. <laughs> but if you guys want to know how deadly some of these towns were, the odds of being killed in Dodge City at the height of the Wild West was 1 in 61. That's... Those are your odds of being killed in Dodge City. But what's, Those are what's pretty the population of Dodge City? Yeah, what, what was it? You know what? At the time, I'm it not could, sure. It couldn't have been very much. So 61 people in the town and... And one of them gets killed. Just just spin a wheel. That's, uh, you know, (laughs) I don't know. And and poor women. We don't really talk about the women in the West. They're kind of the forgotten forgotten people in this bit. But, I mean, childbirth was not not easy on women. Um, They had very little opportunity as far as jobs go um, and education. So, I mean, there's just so, so many factors that we just kind of, choose to ignore in the favor of wearing a gun on our hip and strolling around like we're somebody Big yeah <laughs> i think i think that's i think that's true and you know not to get too over like over blanketing this the statement but we kind of do that with a lot of things in life you know but i feel like 
with the Wild West, I feel like it means a lot to me because one, I'm from the West. I'm also American, so that history has impacted my life. But yeah, then you you get down to the nitty gritty, and it's like, hmm, that's some that's some tough doings there. Well, yeah, and, and I want, and, <laughs> <laughs> well, and I I don't like you know getting uh you know current or whatever. But I, I wonder how you would feel if you weren't uh, a white male from the West, right? Right. Yeah, it's be tough. Yeah, for sure. Be very tough. At some, you know, as hard as it is, though, as terrible as these this the Wild West time was, um, just as a a quick question, if if you had the choice right now. Are you are you gonna go back? I probably would. Still, even after all this conversation. Yeah, probably would. I probably, uh, I want to go mountain man, but I want to learn how to do it first. <laughs> I want to just want to start wandering off and wait for the wait for the first bison to mow me down because I got too close or something. <laughs> but um, looking at you, every traveler to Yellowstone. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I once, I once had a friend, I won't name his name, but uh, Zach got a little too close to a bison once. <laughs> I looked at him and I was like, you idiot. And thankfully the bison didn't do anything, but... Don't pet the furry cows. Don't do it, man. No, but I feel like the reason why I would go back is not because I'm like anxious to take land, but mainly because it's like, in the scenario that you described, if I were given the chance of like, you go back... I think that's how I'd want to go out, probably. It's like, go out, be alone, like, get attacked by a bear or something, face my greatest fear, which is a bear. (laughs) Um, I feel like the freedom of it definitely kind of is a thing that I long for, but that's kind of with nostalgia, right? Is you think of those one or two elements that you don't have while forgetting about the cholera and the syphilis and the, and, you know, the dangerous environment of the west you just think of those one things of like yeah but it would be so nice just to be alone it'd be so nice to actually have the opportunity to homestead to go out and find a piece of land and say oh that's mine dibs <laughs> well and, and to some degree this i think this time period was the the forge the furnace that really forged and uh, refined what america is today and the people and like your the stories of your ancestors, right? It it forms who you are as a person today. Yeah. So even even though you you're not living it right now, and even though it was terrible for your ancestors, <laughs> it, uh, you can still be a, a little bit grateful for that time period, right? Um, because it formed uh, your environment and who you are today. What about you, Chris? Are, are you going to go back, or are you happy where you're at? Man, so like all things, you know, there are terrible things in the world all around us. Some things can be terrible, but things can also be great, right? Mm-hmm. I I can't imagine what it would feel like to wake up all alone in a dugout and just look around and go, this is mine? Wow, that's amazing. But the settlers were, were the, the, you know, they were the immigrants that came. That's what America is. We think about, you know, 
it was it was Germans. It was it was all these people, Chinese. It was Mexicans that were here that were already here. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's so amazing that we have as a human race the grit, the determination, and the 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 wisdom to to have made it out there in what many people call the most inhospitable and unlivable area of the United States. Right. Didn't like Jim Bridger tell Brigham Young, don't go out there. Like there's nothing there. I, I, I can't speak for Jim Bridger, but uh, I, that makes sense to me because <laughs> I mean, if you've seen the great salt Lake, then ah, what are we doing here? Can't drink the water. Yeah. You know, all this stuff, but they knew more than we did. And I still think they did just fine. I still think Brigham Young didn't say this. This is the place as a statement. I'm pretty sure he said it as a question. This, <laughs> this is the place. <laughs> and he's funny. stretching out his arm. <laughs> what is this? What is this? <laughs> he was funny. a little bit delirious, so maybe because he had the yellow fever when he came into the valley. So maybe he saw like all these palm trees and you know. <laughs> and then when he right away says he came to, he was like. Where are the palm trees? <laughs> this is Where's that pina colada I just had last night? <laughs> what about you? What about you, Fish? I mean... I'm happy where I'm at. Heard, you know? Oh, come on. You don't want to be a blacksmith? No, so this... <laughs> I am a blacksmith. But I, <laughs> I'm a futuristic blacksmith. I'm a futuristic blacksmith. No, the, so my my thing is, I, I to some degree, I, I think... Uh, and there, you know that reminds me of this really good quote. Let me let me say this quote real quick. This is from Frederick Jackson Turner, um, but he said, "American democracy was born of no theorist's dream. It was not carried in the Susan Constant to Virginia, nor in the Mayflower to Plymouth. It came out of the American forest, and it gained new strength each time it touched a new frontier." I, wow. So. You know, it, this every time you touch this new frontier, you you gain strength. And it, it was we think of you know New York as being the melting pot, but I think a lot of it was the Wild West. Everyone was equal. You all had to help out. You all had to help each other in order to survive. Um, and so it was a great equalizer. And so that was the melting pot. I think the true melting pot of america um and i think that is true even today there's frontiers today that we can go and touch and when we touch them we're stronger i don't i don't need to go back into into the wild west to find my frontier there's there's plenty of frontiers that i have that i'm looking forward to touching wow that was deep whoa well done I don't think it was. I don't think it's for everybody. You know, a lot of people <laughs> stayed in the East. They were perfectly happy because the newspapers that came out of the West. <laughs> no, thank you. I mean, Indian attacks, cavalry wipeouts, plagues, smallpox, blizzards, droughts, people freezing to death. I mean, it's a lot of bad news. A lot of bad news, <laughs> and it's not for everybody. It's just that that. It's it's almost like Josh and I are are, are stupid optimists. <laughs> if we can get a, even a chance of a maybe, we would take that risk because that's just that's just who we are. 
For sure. If we can get even a, a, a glint of hope, a, a little fleck of gold in that creek, yeah, why wouldn't we? Because Josh and I have very, very loud conscience minds. I mean, you can hear everything we're thinking about without us saying a word. That's just who we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fish. Fish knows this is yeah. very well. <laughs> yeah. So the chance, I'd be kicking myself if I didn't take. Because I mean, how many people up and just left during the gold rush? I mean, we're talking thousands and thousands of people who had really cushy jobs, and they all ran to California on a maybe. Few, if any, got rich, but it's just that 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 maybe that we that we hang on to. And I think that's a huge part of what brought people out here. It's just a maybe I can make, maybe I can do it. Maybe I won't get shot or get sick in the process. Right. I think that, I think that's my takeaway that lessens the sting of a bushwhack for this is because that's true. It's if that maybe is what gets you to go. And I feel like that was how it was for a lot of people going out West. And that's how it is for a lot of people today. Like what you said, Jamie, is like there's that frontier, but a frontier means the edge of chaos and order. All of a sudden, order stops and it's right into chaos, but people are willing to go into that chaos hoping that there's some yin in that yang and there's some yang in that yang because that's where the magic happens. That's where the dreams come true and that's where potential is realized. And I, I would hope that some people thought that going out west back then. And not everybody was just manifest destiny. Like, it is my inheritance. It's like, okay. Because <laughs> that's definitely not very romantic. But I know that was for my ancestors. I know a lot of, I know a lot of them went out literally on a wing and a prayer. <laughs> like, mm, hopefully it all goes well. But there's still that. Maybe it will. Because they could have been, you know, they literally could have been buzzard food. But they weren't. And that, that's a blessing to me. That's impactful to me because it's like, because somebody went out west, I was able to go out back east. I was able to breathe air because somebody went out west. And I, maybe that's where my passion lies in the subject is like, it's not just a dream. It's like, that's that's my history. So, Yeah, and that's I think that's my takeaway too is I think there's a right way and a wrong way to, to go into the Wild West. Mm -hmm. you, you have your ancestors that had the open door policy with the Navajo and... Uh, were collaborators and uh, wanted to live peaceably with everybody. And then you had those that poisoned the watering hole and killed the, Ignorantly. the, the buffalo, of <laughs> yeah. the, the herds of buffalo, just yeah. just uh, to rape and plunder, you know. Um, and I want to be the kind of person that, like your ancestors. Yeah. I like this episode. Definitely. The, the thing I love about bushwhacking is that it starts off with a simple question that sounds fun. How would we fare in the Wild West? And then we get down to the nitty-gritty, and it's like, whew, that's heavy. Like, that's literally heavy. But there's always some sort of silver lining with that. And we have our bushwhacks where, you know, what if food came in only one form? That was, that's like lighthearted altogether, but there's still something to learn from it, so... Thank you so much, Chris, well, for joining us. What what do you oh, have a takeaway, Chris? Yeah, what's your takeaway? Well, I mean, do you have you, any I guess, final thoughts? I guess, I guess me personally, why did they do it? Right for posterity, so their family could have a better life than they did, and it's no different for Jamie at all. Mm -hmm. His 
family will probably have a better life where he's at. Sometimes that's the case for people, but sometimes it's not. I'm not saying anyone's better than anybody. If we didn't have the East, the West never would have happened. No. Right? Because people in the East kept kept moving forward. And in one of the, the most turbulent times in American history, the Civil War, Reconstruction, all of that. I mean, you want to talk about toughness? That's a whole other level, you know, fighting your brother on the battlefield. Yeah. So... Being able to secure something for future generations and know that you're making a difference to your family and their children, that's, that's my take is the guts, the, the, a face towards the West with, you know, with hope and optimism and, you know, just a pinch of good luck. And we're all here because of them. I think it's pretty amazing that there are people that strong and that we have strengths and that if we really had to do all that, we would. No question. We would. I love that. This is a great episode. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Chris. Well, thank you, boys. It's my honor. I love you guys. Hope you're both doing well. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us on this Bushwhack. And thank you, our listeners. Make sure to share this episode and all of our episodes because we can't do this without you. Let us know how we're doing. Drop us a DM. Comment on your various platforms. Talking to you, 18 beautiful people. And spread the word. (laughs) Our goal is 20. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for joining us on this bushwhack. I'm Jack. I'm Fish. I'm Christopher. (laughs) And you all have a wonderful day. We'd like to take a moment to thank our supporters, Caleb L., Shelby, and Michaela. We couldn't do this without you. You're amazing. And we'd like to thank you, our listeners, for making us feel loved and wanted. We sure do appreciate you. 